Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. If you want financial freedom and to generate wealth and whatever that looks like for you and your goals, you have to untie yourself from a dollar per hour like a WG job. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to Cincinnati's Best Ever Real Estate Investor Mastermind. We get together here in Cincinnati in Deer Park at the Deer Park Community Center on the last Tuesday of every month to have a presentation or an interview and to network lots of local real estate investors from a wide variety of backgrounds doing a wide variety of things, residential, commercial, apartments, non-residential, commercial, a lot of house hackers, flippers, some wholesalers in the room. If you are listening to the podcast and have the ability to be in Cincinnati on the last Tuesday of the month, then we invite you to join us. I am here with my friend Joe Cornwell. Joe, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Doing well. I normally have a bio in front of me that tells me what to say here. I don't have that. But I know that Joe was a full-time police officer who came into real estate investing as a side hustle. In this room, it's a common story among and real estate investing in general. And Joe found ways to 
get into real estate investing full-time, both to continue buying property, but also to generate full-time income for himself faster than just buy and hold investing would allow. How you get into real estate investing full-time when your career is in a different industry is their topic of conversation. So Joe, can you give us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, so I was a full-time police officer starting in 2011, went to the police academy. I did that for 10 years, so I retired from law enforcement in 2021. I believe about 2015 is when I started intentionally getting into real estate and educating myself, reading all the books, listening to podcasts, and attending meetups like this one. And I was able to start buying a rental property and scaling my portfolio. Got my real estate license as an agent in 2016 and started a general contracting company here in Cincinnati in 2017. As you mentioned, both of those were basically organically built out of scaling my own investment portfolio and just kind of necessary ancillary businesses to wanting to be a full-time investor someday which wasn't really my initial goal in 2015, but I had a plan to buy 10 doors in the next 10 years. And I think that took 18 months or something. So it happened a lot faster than I'd planned, which then kind of made me realize that this could be a full-time career that would obviously give me more freedom, flexibility, and wealth than just staying in law enforcement for another 25 or 30 years. 2015, the goal was 10 doors. Where's your portfolio now? Right about 75 units. Okay. And do you have partners on those or is that all just you? Yeah, I have three buildings. I have partners and the rest I own myself. Gotcha. And your most recent acquisition was just a couple months ago. Was it 28 units in Clifton? Yes. What's the plan there? So that is basically being converted to marketing predominantly to students. So it's traditional residents right now lower income tenants and it's right on the fringe for the University of Cincinnati campus housing and we're going to be marketing based on the shortage that the college has for student housing right now. We're going to be transitioning to students. We're going to be renovating the building, making it a lot nicer quality and hopefully placing better tenants and obviously at a higher market rent. Yeah, I don't know how other universities around the country do this, but UC only guarantees and then requires housing for freshmen. Mm -hmm. So after that first year, a lot of students are just scraping to find what they can. 2015, you start with your first buy and hold property, and then... Yeah, so I didn't actually close on my first deal until 2017. It was like 18 months from the time I was like, I want to do this, until I actually closed on my first duplex. So you became a real estate agent first? Yeah, yeah. Why? So I had worked with a couple agents starting in 2015, and it was a horrible experience. I knew almost nothing about real estate, but I felt like I knew more than they did. And I didn't know at the time, but there are real estate agents who drastically different focuses. So I worked with two agents I just happened to know, and they didn't know anything about investment real estate. Obviously, an agent, when you call them and say, I want to buy a house, they're not going to turn you down, typically. So I think they were just trying to do their job, but it was not a good fit. And I also realized that the barrier of entry for real estate agents is pretty low. So low, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I had no plan at that point to actually broker sales for buyers and sellers. But I was like, if I'm going to be serious about this, I want to be able to get in quick. I want MLS access. And I want to be able to represent my own best interest because I didn't feel like they were doing it as well as I would. 
plus 3% commission on right. the thing yeah. that you Indian, buy for yourself. Sure. Indian income. Yeah, I just looked at it as a discount at the time of what I would buy or sell. Gotcha. I want to come back to that in a moment. But we in this meetup often talk about how hard it is to find contractors. So a year after getting your license, the same year that you bought your first rental property, you started a general contracting company. Was it specifically to be your own contractor, the way you wanted to be your own agent, or what was it? That was a little bit different. I did have a horrible experience again working with contractors. I had some money stolen from me. I was trying to DIY my first property because I didn't have a lot of cash. So I actually had tools taken by contractors who I did hire for certain things while I was doing other things. Just walk off with my tools. tools. Gotcha. So I had a really bad experience working with contractors and similar kind of epiphany where I was like, if this is the common denominator of the bar here that contractors have set, I think I could probably figure this out. The barrier to entry is way lower for becoming a general. <laughs> it's go to the city, pay them 200 bucks and you're a general contractor. Yeah. So it was a bad experience. I did have a little bit of kind of just DIY construction experience. I did a live and flip from 2011 to 2014 unintentionally. Didn't know what that was at the time, but I basically just bought a crappy house. I fixed it up and I made some money when I sold it. And I was like, wow, this was easy. I should look into this. But anyway, building out the GC company and actually started because as an agent, we often get calls asking for referrals. So I found myself referring out a lot of contractors who I had met through this group, through other networking that I had used myself as subcontractors. And what ended up happening was I'm kind of doing all the legwork a general contractor does. I'm basically being a middleman, which is ultimately what a general contractor is. And then I was being called to fix issues that they would have with the contractor and mediating. But all of this was free. And I spent a lot of time and headaches. And I'm like, I should probably be paid for this if I'm going to spend the time and energy in, in developing it. So at that point, it was within a year of buying that first property where I kind of formalized it. I actually opened up a corporation. I got general liability insurance. When was this? I bought that first property, I think, in like February 2017. So within a year of that, I was formalizing the company started doing branding logos, you know, actually kind of building it out to be a legitimate company. And as I grew my own portfolio and continued buying, I was able to bring on first part-time and then full-time and then scaling up my actual hourly employees. And I also worked with a, a handful of subcontractors. But then when somebody called me wanting something done to their house, if I was going to actually call a contractor, schedule it, give them a price, and then guarantee the work to an extent as far as, you know, if they weren't happy we were correcting it, I was obviously making a profit to do that. Yeah. I don't want to glaze over the transitions involved for you from full-time police officer, and I want you to tell us more about what that looked like. When you decided to get into real estate full-time, I know that happened well before you left your job. What did that transition look like, and how did you plan it? And then what actually happened? I don't think I ever had a set date, like I'm retiring from law enforcement on this date. It was very much a natural process of getting over my own fears of giving up guaranteed income every two weeks, getting a check, benefits. I didn't hate my job or my career. I worked in this city we were actually in. It's a small town, nice suburban community. It wasn't like I was getting shot at every week or anything like that. I was in a fortunate position as far as law enforcement goes. But I knew I didn't want to keep that schedule forever. As you mentioned, doing the real estate investing, the agent business, and the contracting, all those kind of side hustles while working 40 plus hours. 
What did those 40 plus hours look like? Because that's not nine to five all the time. Yeah. For, I would say seven of the 10 years, I was on third shift. So my schedule was pretty rough. Typically my day would look like we worked an eight hour shift. So I would wake up in the evening, answer phone calls, emails, do all the agent kind of stuff, catching up on a day's worth of missed communication, go to work, work eight hours, go home, try to sleep a little bit. If I had closings, appointment showings, there were days where I was sleeping three, four hours a day. On average, I probably average anywhere from 70 to 90 hours a week, five years. So it was a pretty unhealthy lifestyle that I knew I couldn't sustain. So as far as planning my transition out, again, I didn't have a set time. The catalyst ultimately for me to get out of my job completely was finding out I was having my second child. So we had a son back in March, who's now about six months old, or I'm sorry, April. And knowing that was coming, I was like, I need to be out of the job before that because I have a five-year-old daughter, and when she was a baby, I knew between all the things I had going on right at the same time, starting my businesses and, and the investing, I was just never home. I had very limited time, and I didn't want to do that again. So that was the real big push to get over my fear of leaving my security blanket of the W-2 job. But as far as like mathematically, it would have probably made more sense to leave in 2018, 2019. At that point, my business income had surpassed my W-2 income. So... It was mainly just fear what made me stay. Having worked several years of that 70 to 90 hour pace, there's some people listening right now and some people in this room who want to find a way to make that transition and get into real estate full time. They, either because of fear or because of frank finances, can't leave the job all that quickly. And they're looking to make that transition and find a way to make it not necessarily smooth, but make it a transition that doesn't require five plus years of 70 to 90 hours. Having made it through that now, what advice are you gonna give 2015 Joe Cornwell now to get through that transition faster, less stress, more sleep, and more time with family and the other things you wanted to do? There's a lot of angles to that question. So to the first point, and I wish I could remember who did it. And I think it's uh, one of the Go Abundance founders who I have heard this quote from. But basically, they talk about the idea of if you come from basically no money, middle class, lower middle class, whatever, and you want to change your trajectory to become wealthy or retire early, I think his phrase is you have to do 5 and 10 or 10 and 20, whatever it is. I've heard different variations. But basically, it means you basically have to take on two full-time jobs unless you're just a, such a high income earner that you can make double or triple a normal salary, hopefully in one job, that'd be great. And I think he explains that probably a lot better than I am right now, but I was already in the middle of that when I heard it, but it made sense, it kind of clicked like, hey, that's what I'm doing. So giving myself advice in 2015, I don't know how much I would change. I've obviously been successful. I'm fortunate to have the success I've had. Obviously there's times where I probably would have prioritized my family life a little bit better. Full disclosure, I got divorced in 2019. A lot of that had to do with never being home, working 70 to 90 hours a week. If your partner is not on board with that in the front end, it's probably not going to go well. So it creates a lot of strain on the relationship if you're not establishing that before you do it. I kind of just fell into it and then was in that grind and doing it. And I did put a lot of personal things on the back burner because I was so laser focused on my goals. So... 
I would probably advise my younger self that you don't have to do it in the same way I did it. And you can take your time. So if you want to retire in five years, you might have to get aggressive and crazy like I was. But if you're willing to take a little bit longer approach, 10, 15 years, and not just, you don't want to work 30 years like most people do or more, there's definitely ways to do it that are a little bit more manageable and conservative than the way I went about it. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find the recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project-level IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliant's experienced team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So I first heard it from Brandon Turner on the Bigger Pockets podcast, but he was a member of GoBundance who was quoting, I think it was, you have to figure out how to do 20 years worth of work in 10 years. That makes sense. That's a similar path to what I took as well. Thinking about the members of our audience who are on or want to be on that trajectory. We're recording at the very end of Q3 2022. This episode will air Q4 2022. I think everyone, at least everyone who's listening to a podcast like this one, has some awareness of what's going on in the real estate market and in the economy, locally, nationally, and globally. I'm not going to ask for your crystal ball but where do you think the opportunities are right now to transition from a full-time W-2 requires a particular chunk of your time career to transitioning to being in real estate full-time? If you were starting right now, what are the opportunities you'd be taking advantage of? Yeah, so I think first of all, it's really important to understand that if you want financial freedom and to generate wealth and whatever that looks like for you and your goals, you have to untie yourself from a dollar per hour like a W-2 job. Obviously, with that business, you're able to scale your income without being directly correlated to the amount of hours you work. That's not easy. It's not simple. But I think it's impossible to quickly 
retire or leave a W-2 job without having that relationship where your income and value is not based on time. So with that said, I think that the opportunity, and this is just kind of basic economics, is you have to look for where your market, whatever that is, whether it's your industry, your local like actual physical market, the way things are changing with technology, you have to look for where the opportunity is that you can provide a value or an opportunity or a business that is untied to your time. So for me, that was being an investor-focused agent in my market that did not have a lot of investor agents. I jokingly say, and this is not just because I'm sitting next to them, but I've literally told multiple clients, multiple investors, there's like three agents in the entire Cincinnati market that would actually trust with investment-related real estate advice, and he and Slocum's one of them. I've told people that. Back in 2015, I didn't know anybody like Slocum or myself. So that was an opportunity, right? There was a lot of investors looking to buy, and there was literally no one to fill that demand. Slocum's also moved into the general contracting space as well, and we both have realized as we've grown those businesses that it is massive demand. I'm sure everyone in this room and everyone on this podcast knows finding a contractor right now to do anything is almost impossible. For us as business owners, hiring contractors is almost impossible. So that creates such a scarcity in the market that is extremely expensive for us, but also ultimately for the end customer to get any contract work done. So if you're looking to scale real estate, you have to either have that access on your own, like we do, or you have to have someone in your market who can fill that demand, which is obviously what we try to do as business owners. So using that as an example, obviously everybody's got their own advantages, strengths, skill sets. But if you're not filling a need in your space, in your market, you're not going to be able to accelerate your income in a way that will change your life to help you leave the W-2 job. So that's what I would look for. And that's what I look for. I know that's what Slocum's look for. Obviously, we have followed similar paths because we both saw the obvious lack in our market as we tried to invest in real estate. So find the bottleneck that you know a lot of people are experiencing and figure out how you can be the one who widens the bottleneck. Yeah, exactly. Labor in general is a bottleneck in 2022. And I think that's what you and I both keyed in on. With You started way before I did. But with general contracting, establishing a network, having access to people who understand some trades and want to do good work for good money, that's an obvious bottleneck that you and I are currently taking advantage of opening for people. What other bottlenecks are you seeing in the market right now outside of contract labor? I think that labor is the biggest bottleneck to real estate. Literally, as crazy as that sounds, I can find deals that would make sense. I can find money for those deals, whether it's mine or a partner's, and everything else that you need to put together and operate a good real estate deal. Literally, what would stop me from buying a great real estate deal right now is knowing I don't have the manpower to facilitate that business plan to turn properties. Obviously, what I do, I focus on value-add real estate. So for me, having access and having that ability to have labor on site to do those things is required. So to me, that is the number one bottleneck in real estate, at least in, in our market and I think a lot of markets. I think for me, the second is still finding good leads for good deals because we are in a rapidly shifting real estate market. And obviously we could have an hour conversation about that. But the quick summary of that is that a lot of people aren't selling now for different reasons than they weren't selling six months ago. 
and that's creating even more lack of inventory. So I think almost a necessary skill set for any investor to have is access to direct to seller deals. So whether that's a good wholesaler or a network of wholesalers, a good agent who can get off-market or on-market deals, or if not, they have to do it themselves. So I think that is probably the most important thing in the next six to 12 months. And it's been important for the past couple of years. We all know finding deals has been extremely difficult, especially if it's a legitimately good deal. But if you are not able to go direct to the seller in one way or another, you're not going to be able to find good deals. And I think less people are going to be selling in the next six to 12 months than the past six to 12 months. So it's going to be create even tighter margins with lack of inventory. So find ways to get direct to seller and find good quality labor for yourself, but also that you can share. Or find a good contractor or project manager that can facilitate what you're trying to accomplish. I have clients who buy turnkey deals, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can still make a decent return. But if you have any value-add component to your investing strategy, you have to have access to good contractors. Awesome. Well, Joe, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best ever book you recently read? I think the last actual business book before the baby, obviously, I haven't had much time, was Good to Great. Jim Collins. Jim Collins, yeah. yeah. So that was a great book, especially kind of on the path I'm on to help me understand some of the qualities of great companies and how to scale into being one of those great companies. So that was a good business book. Nice. What is your best ever way to give back? I do a lot of free real estate education myself. Obviously, I attend groups like this. I have a mastermind group of my own, and I speak at high schools and financial freedom classes. So I think that having access to financial literacy, financial freedom, and real estate investing specifically, having access to that at a young age will completely change people's lives. And I know that I wish I had somebody to teach me and open my eyes to that when I was younger and not have to kind of learn it the hard way like I did. Specific to getting full-time in real estate investing and leaving your job behind, what is the biggest mistake you made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? I would say probably my biggest mistake would be on the personal side, like I mentioned, I alluded to. We obviously all want to be financially free. We all want to be wealthy. But losing your friends, spouse, straining family relationships, you have to prioritize things. And having a single track mind is probably not the healthiest approach. So that's probably my biggest mistake. On a personal note, if I can give you a, probably a bad investing experience if you'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really helpful for people to hear. What is your best ever advice? Okay, so my best ever advice, and this is a conversation I find myself having often is that you have to establish as an investor extremely specific goals because that's ultimately going to dictate everything else you do after that. So all these things we talked about, leaving your W-2 job are great, but if you are, let's say, a Google engineer and you're making $500,000 a year it probably doesn't make sense to leave your W-2 job, unless you really hate it, to go make 100 or 200 or even 300,000 operating a business because your issue probably isn't capital or access to capital. So my point of that as an example is that you have to establish your goals. If your goals are to generate cash flow or appreciation or wealth, 
you have to dictate that first, then you can determine your investing strategy to follow up with. And I don't think enough people focus on the goals and why they do them. I think a lot of people just say, I want to buy real estate. These are conversations I have with clients all the time. I want to buy real estate or I want to own apartment buildings. What's your goal? Oh, I want a duplex. Yeah, but what's the reason you want a duplex? Well, you know, I want to get started with a duplex. Exactly. So I think those things are so much more important than what your actual asset class is or understanding your goals and why or understanding your why and then making goals around that is the first step and probably the most important step. And I don't think nearly enough people focus on it. And I know even I didn't when I was planning, but that was an afterthought. So yeah, that's definitely my recommendation. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you as well for tuning in. If you gained value from this interview with Joe Cornwell, please do like and subscribe to this podcast. Joe's contact info is available in the show notes. Please do also share this episode with a friend that you know that we can add value to through this conversation about getting full time in real estate. Thank you and have a best ever day.